my headset, which, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's under my chair here. I don't know. Okay, here we go. There we go. Damn, am I a pro or what, huh? All right. Uh, handle here. Good morning, everybody. On a Saturday morning, following uh, Dean Sharp. I love listening to Dean. Uh, he really does great stuff. You know, the, here's the difference. I don't know if you listen to both shows, uh, which uh, hopefully you do. But the first thing that comes to mind is Dean really knows what he's talking about. As opposed to other people who sort of make a lot of stuff up. He is excellent at what he does. All right, phone numbers. Uh, top of the hour, always the best time to call so you can get some marginal legal advice. 800-520-1534. 800-520-1KFI. And we actually have lines open. And sometimes during the show, sometimes we have lines open. And sometimes people wait an hour and a half. So top of the hour is always good. By the way, if you're one of those people that does wait 45 minutes, an hour to ask me a legal question. Uh, you tell me what kind of life you're living or anybody else, right? Uh, yeah, very, very strange. Okay, 800-520-1534. Huh, you know, lines are pouring in, aren't they? Now, Blake, is that because it's the delay or is that me? It's me. Okay, Fine, fine. 800-520-1534. And here I am bitching and moaning about the fact you're going to be waiting an hour. Okay. Uh, there's credibility for you. But the lines will fill up. Guaranteed. All right. Uh, what else? Uh, not much. Phone numbers. Saturday morning. Uh, that's basically my best friend, Savile, is here, uh, who is uh, with me. He lives in Las Vegas. And when I talk about Las Vegas during the show constantly, I'm talking about Monday through Friday, uh, it's uh, basically to uh, visit Savile. All right, you guys ready? This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Now, this is uh, a story uh, that uh, I often share with you over the years, and it has to do with the definition of passenger in a car, carpool lane, HOV, the high-occupancy what is that? Uh, I don't know what the hell HOV stands for. We just uh, we just have the high ops occupancy lane here, and this happens to be in uh, Nevada. All right, so uh, I think right outside of yeah, in uh, Nevada uh, on the uh, Interstate 15, it just passed the Stratosphere Hotel, which by the way is just a horrible hotel. I would never go there, and. So uh, the Nevada Highway Patrol uh, trooper noticed uh, that a driver appeared to be, it was sort of a station wagon-y thing, appeared to be driving by himself in the HOV lane. So he pulls him over and flips on his red and blue lights, pulls the driver over, and uh, as uh, the man is obviously going to hand him his driver's license, he says, hi, uh, Trooper uh, Smocky, uh, Nevada Highway Patrol. So he introduces himself and says, you have your registration insurance as well? Absolutely, he did. And uh, then he, the driver uh, nods to the back of the van. It's a hearse, actually. And uh, there is a casket there. And he said, um, um, just pointed to uh, the casket. And uh, the trooper said, oh, you have a deceased in the back. Uh, yes. And uh, so the driver uh, 
the uh, what he does is plead not guilty after he's gotten a ticket. He wants to fight it and claiming that the corpse was a passenger. And herein lies, if you'll pardon the phraseology here, here lie in lies the issue. Is a dead body considered a passenger? It is a person, cold, but it, it, is it a dead body? Now, there have been cases where uh, they have the fake mannequins and all of that, and of course, those uh, that's a loser. But a dead body, is that a person? And uh, what the judge said, uh, no, no. It is a person, but the person is not in the seat, the judge said. And the person is not living or breathing, so the body is cargo and not a person. Now, uh, what if the dead were riding shotgun is the other question that was asked. What if he, like uh, breakfast at Bernie's, right? If he puts him up, uh, puts the seatbelt on, dead body. And this was just uh, a question that he had. And uh, nope. (laughs) Uh, The judge says, you know what? This violation is the least of your concerns. It wouldn't even answer the question. So there you go. Uh, Good case. Enjoyed it. Let's take some phone calls. Uh, All right. Heinz. Hello, Heinz. Yes, sir. Catch up. Yep. All right. What can I do for you, Heinz? I'm living in a house I own together with my daughter. And later this year, I'm going to invite a lady to live with me. And my daughter is afraid she uh, she won't get rid of her after I die. I'm 86 years old. 86. And, uh, and you, you brought a lady to live with you? I will be bringing a lady yeah, are, to live with me. Are, 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 kind of. are we stooping the lady? I'm 86, sir. <laughs> and? I mean, there are plenty of people that stoop when they're 86. I mean, I don't know of any. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. So you brought I her in. I don't know either. Okay, excellent. So you brought her in as a companion. Yes, I will be okay. bringing her in. Who is going to inherit the house? The daughter? The daughter, yes. Yeah. Well, once uh, the daughter gets title to the house, Heinz, she can kick out companion. That's what I thought. Yeah, that's right. He, uh, matter of fact, you can kick her out anytime you want. I, yeah, I but you probably will. Yes. Oh, really? So you're not getting along very well with her? No, no, I haven't known her for a long time. But she lives out of state, and she will be coming here to into better climate. She wants to stay with me, and I need somebody who can drive me around when okay. I get older. And stuff. all right, that's fair. That's fair. So uh, she stays around. Are you going to pay her to stay around? I'm going to pay for her? Yeah. Are you? She moves in as a companion. Are you going to pay her? Uh, no, no, oh, no. Well, she's, no, so I'm she's not just, okay, got her. it. So no, it's just, she has it, her own, she doesn't have to pay her. All right, so I'm just curious because that changes things a little bit because she, she then just becomes an employee. But fair enough. So, uh, yes, your daughter can evict her once your daughter gets the house. All right? All right, eighty-six years old. Oh, I forgot to ask him how, uh, you know, how old she is. And uh, it was if she if he said, well, she's twenty-six. That was going to go off into a great conversation uh, for sure. All right, Carlo. Hi, Carlo. Carlo, hey, you're Mr. up. Bill. Yes. Um, I have a, a quick question for you. Um, I I was playing soccer at a soccer field, one of those that you pay. 
and I you're in the team, and I tore my. All right, you're you're, you're cutting in, you're cutting you Carlo, you're cutting in and out. All I got is uh, you were playing soccer and you tore your something. My Achilles. Oh, you tore your Achilles. Okay. And your question is? My question is, do I have a case? Are they accountable for it? Because it was in uh, their establishment. Okay, but you're. Ta- I'm assuming you're talking about artificial grass, right? Yes. Oh, yes. all right. That's That's actually a good one. They are responsible for it, but... There is no, uh, de- uh, there's no defect. I mean, it's artificial grass. You know, it's artificial grass, and the argument uh-huh. is going to be that uh, everybody sort of knows it's a different kind of a grass. And uh, the, I mean, you can sue certainly, but I think the defense is you knew and you t- tore. And by the way, is it because of the grass, uh, the artificial grass? Could because there are plenty of people that tear their Achilles uh, tendons when they're on regular grass. You know that, don't you? Yeah. 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 So to prove that it was the artificial grass as opposed to you just making a wrong move, uh, I don't know how you would do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have witnesses too because when I when I tore it, everybody was like, "Hey, what happened?" I mean, nobody even touched me. I it was just. It doesn't matter. People, and, uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. People tear their Achilles hint, uh, Achilles tendons just playing soccer mm-hmm. on regular grass, and you're never going to get a doctor okay. to say it's because of the artificial grass. Mm-hmm. It's because you exercise. So the bottom line is you have absolutely no case, but it's always uh, wonderful telling you that. I mean, see the problem here? It was the artificial grass. No, it wasn't. You know, you're just an idiot. You run wrong. You went in the wrong direction. Uh, yeah, what can I tell you? You know, start playing chess. This is Handle on the Law. All right, back we go. Handle uh, in uh, the morning, Saturday morning, right up until 11 o'clock. And if you need a lawyer... Lawyer, lawyer, you go to handleonlaw.com. You know, my headsets are not working. There they go, a little bit better. All right. 800-520-1534. Welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. All right. Ann. Hello, Ann. Yes. Hello, Ann. You there? Hi, Bill. Yes. Yes, Bill. Yes. Hi. Hi, Bill. Hi. Um, I have a... Uh, son and his wife who are going on a cruise yes. uh, to the Mexican Riviera. And I have the um, job of watching uh, two rather rambunctious little girls, um, ages like uh, two and four, for about a week. And I wanted to know, um, what can I do legally if, you know, like, God forbid that we have an accident at the house. They're not, my son would not be in a position where they would be able to be contacted very readily. Right. Now, so, so I'm a little confused. Well, if you have an accident at the house or on the cruise? Oh, no. The the, the son is going on the cruise and uh, you have, right. right. Uh, what I would do, uh, what happens is I would get a letter from mom and dad saying we're on a cruise and uh, grandma has full permission to make any medical judgment. I think just a, okay. just just a letter should do it. I mean, you can't. You so? I, 
It doesn't need to be notarized. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, it doesn't hurt if it's notarized. It just gives it in case anybody Mm -hmm. asks, you know, here's a notarization. And when you do notarize something, and here's what I like to do is um, just a little just extra uh, oomph for the notarization. The notary signs, yes, you're in front of me, et cetera. And then I I put my driver's license uh, to prove that's who it is. But, um, yeah, you could. It's just a little bit more powerful, but there, no one's going to say no. If uh, one of those grandkids uh, has an accident and is hauled off to uh, the hospital and a decision has to be made one way or the other, all you do is show the letter and you, you should be okay. All right? Okay. Yeah. What? Uh, by right. the way, they're going down the Mexican you. Riviera. It's a, that, it's a horrible cruise. You know that. Have uh, they gone to the Mexican Riviera before? Uh, no, yes, I think it, this is the first cruise yeah, they've ever taken. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. Uh, it's it's a rotten place to go, and uh, most uh, most passenger ships, uh, cruise lines are okay. And the one I went on, I'm not going to mention any names, but uh, it's a big one. It's the biggest one. Horrible experience. I mean, god-awful. But then that's, uh, yeah, that's just me editorializing. Anyway, letter is okay. Not a problem. Marina. Hi, Marina. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Um, I'm calling. Make it very brief. I was diagnosed with basal cell carcinoma inside of my eyelid. Oh. And, uh, and I also had a cancer on the cheekbone. So I was referred to an eye surgeon, cosmetic eye surgeon, and I was a bit nervous, wondering what the hell I was going to end up looking like. But anyway, uh, he looked at it and he said, yes, he could definitely do it. And I have excellent insurance. I have Medicare and also another one to cover. And he said, but I don't think that the uh, insurance will cover all of this. And I said, well, uh, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, I said, well, whatever has to be paid, I will pay it. I mean, you can't just have a big hole in your face or your eyelid drooping just for lack of money, of which I don't have that much, but nevertheless. So I left the building, and the next time I would be seeing him would be the day he would operate. But the secretary, she asked me, would I pay? And I said, yes, whatever. So she wanted $2,000. I gave her the $2,000. He did the surgery. He made a few problems, but we're not talking about that, which healed and everything was okay. Um, But then I thought, well, that was it, and I'm happy. It's looking okay. And then I got the thing from Medicare. Now they paid everything. Oh, okay. So now now the doctor is 2,000 bucks to the good, right? Right. Okay. So I walk in and I said that my bookkeeper wants some kind of a itemized account of this. I didn't want to sort of indicate I thought they were fraudulent. So she said, well, I'd, I'll have him call you. So he did call me at night and he said, well, I'm surprised they paid as much as they did. Uh, and he gave me some medical jargon, which I didn't understand. And that was it. So then I thought, well, I still want a detailed account of what he did. He had to take the left eyelid put it over over the cheek cover that yeah marina this is yeah this is not uh, uh, this is not uh, war and peace let's uh, cut to the chase here what's going on so okay. did you did you ask for your two thousand dollars back no not yet but i don't know what to say you call up and you go to... i want my two thousand dollars back the procedure was fully paid by medicare and if um uh-huh. What will he say? Well, I did some extra things. Yeah, that's exactly what he's going to say. That's exactly what he's going to say. And then you say, well, I'm going to take you to small claims court. And by the way, uh, I'm going to take you to the medical board 
uh, quality assurance board, whatever the hell they call it, and make a complaint yeah. and make a complaint for fraud. That may that may wake him right. up. Small claims court okay. and and a, and a complaint. Now in small claims court, he's going to come up with some complete jargon uh, that it, all this is extra. But you just tell your story. Here is the full uh, amount of money that was paid by Medicare, and then he now came up with something that he did extra. And uh, your honor, that is a complete crock. Now he's going to explain well, I, it, and he he won't even itemize it. Okay, well that's another it. thing, which is even better. You ask for an itemization. Yeah. Uh, no. Now you may be able to get it from Medicare, the itemization, uh, because I he had he, he had I well. Yeah, and but he I did. was under four hours, okay. so I didn't speak. It doesn't matter. So, Hold on a minute. So. You have the uh, you you have the itemization from Medicare. Yes. Okay. Well, that's it. That's what he submitted. Right. All right. So that's he what you do. Now I get it. He's he gonna... got paid. All right. Okay. Yeah, he's trying to rip you off. Uh, and he should return the 2000 And here's the problem. You're probably going to go into small claims court, and he's going to come up with some, as you said, medical jargon explaining why the $2,000 was legitimate. And you'll probably end up losing. And the only thing you have is, of course, the uh, the bill. And uh, we'll see what uh, Medicare has to say, whether uh, it will actually it's a small claims judge. And then uh, you haul him in front of the medical board. We'll see what happens. It'll probably be dismissed. But you can give him some grief. Call him up. Just give me my $2,000, please. All right, a uh, major credit card company announced a data security incident involving credit card customers and applications for credit card products, all right, affecting over 100 million people. And I was affected also. Uh, my information was compromised. So what happens? Well, the cockroach uh, criminals get hold of your information, open accounts, file fake tax returns. They can buy property, get credit. It's a mess. It really is. So let me tell you about LifeLock. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats. For example, your social security number for sale in the dark web or someone filing a fake tax return. I mean, they let you know. They tell you. Here is what's going on. And then you deal with it. Once you know what's happening, it now it gets fairly easy to deal with it before the fact. Now, no one can prevent all ID theft or monitor every transaction in every business. But LifeLock, and I've been a customer for over 10 years, can see threats that you might, you will miss probably on your own. Join, get an extra 10% off your first year by using the promo code HANDLE. Call 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE, or lifelock.com, promo code HANDLE. This is HANDLE on the Law. And uh, welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. All right, back we go. Uh, Sam, hello, Sam. You're up. Good morning, Mr. Uh, Handle. Sam. How are you this morning? Yeah, I'm fine. What can I do for you, uh, Sam? Yes, sir. But two months ago, uh, or uh, a little bit less, I got in a car accident in a Pacific Coast Highway. Somebody cheated me bad and total my car and really injured me the ambulance transferred me to the hospital and uh, I, you know i just uh, i had really bad bad bruises and a shoulder and all that i just got the bill from the <clears throat> hospital it's a really high high amount and uh, his insurance is, is is a premium insurance and what happened is i give all the 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 papers and everything uh, to uh, uh, a law a law firm in, 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 in Orange County, 
and I just want to see, in your opinion, if do I have do I have a, a decent case sure. on this one? Sure. Or, if you were if you were T-boned and you were injured and you have to be and you had to be transported by ambulance, why wouldn't you have a good case? Of course, you'd have a good case. Okay. And you went to and you went I to a law and you went to a law firm. You have a lawyer, and I'm assuming the lawyer said you have a good case, right? Y- yes, he did. Yes. yes. Okay, yes, so uh, now you have a second. Yes, now you have a second lawyer that says you have a good case. Gee, car accident, T-bone, off to the hospital. Yeah, makes uh, makes sense uh, a lot. Um, all right, uh, let me see what I want. Uh, Wendy, there's an interesting one. Hi, Wendy. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Uh, yes, thank you. So about um, thirty years ago, my grandma died. Uh, a little bit after that, my grandpa died. In the meantime, my aunt was in charge of my grandpa, his, his estate. She took charge, and she kind of um, had him sign over a lot of stuff that wasn't supposed to go into, it was supposed to go into the inheritance for the grandkids. So the thing was, my grandma set it all up, and we were supposed to get about um, the first installment when we were 20, and then the second after when we were about 20 or 35. Uh, 20 or 30, 25 or 30. Um, so when she took over, she changed it all, but she wasn't able to, I guess, change everything. So we still were to get our money, um, but she's in charge of it. But she's already kind of been dubious, so we didn't didn't really trust her. Well, I didn't want to have to deal with her, so I never asked for my money. But I'm in a position now where I do need my money. Um, she sent me a check for 4000 but we had three options. We could either put it into stocks, savings, or bonds. I remember choosing stocks. So when I said, I never even got a first installment, I don't believe this is a true accounting. How can I get a true accounting? She kind of has stopped talking to me, right. well, through my cousin. What are my options? Right. How can uh, I go okay. about finding yeah. out? A couple of questions. Uh, and that is, uh, when were you supposed to get your first installment? How many years ago? Uh, about, uh, 20 years ago, 20 years ago. And now you're waiting for, you wait for 20 years and go, gee, where's my money? All right. Uh, my, my guess is uh, there is a statute or a waiver situation where, um, you're, you may be in a little bit of, of trouble. Any idea how much money you think is there? Well, if I were supposed to do, um, I guess, just she, she gave me a check for four thousand. I understand, but that could have been that could have been ninety percent of it. We don't know. Do you have any idea how much money we're talking about? I re- seem to remember about fifteen thousand. All right, uh, was so, what the initial. All right, so here's what you do. In order for you to find out, you're going to have to uh, get hold of a trust and estate attorney. All of the uh, the siblings are going to have to get hold of a trust and estate attorney. You can do it on my website, handleonthelaw.com, or you can go. Uh, to anybody that you trust that had a good uh, state attorney and just start asking some questions. Now, there'll probably be a lawyer letter. There may be an issue where it's just too late because you've waited 20 years uh, because you then then you have a, a statute issue to deal with. Uh, and if you even don't have a statute issue, there's something called estoppel, which is just a clever way of saying you're stopped because of time. It's sort of kind of a statute issue. Uh, and... Mm-hmm. So all you can do is ask the question and and see where it goes from there. And uh, there's not much else to do uh, other than kick yourself in the ass for waiting 20 years. I mean, come on, really? If you have money coming to you, uh, yeah, you tend to uh, go for it.
Lewis. Hi, Lewis. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. I was calling about a quick claim deed yes. issue. My mother quick claimed her house to my son. I mean, to my brother, her son. She's about over 80 years old, and they lived together for a little while, and they got in a hostile environment, both at fault, and I moved her out to an apartment. And my brother moved my sister in, and now they're having issues, so he's evicting her. But my mother stepped in and said, you can't evict her. The house, the mortgage is in my name still. Okay, and you're, all right. All right, so your question is... What? Uh, who's got control of the property? The brother does, because if the property, who holds title, whoever holds title has uh, the uh, control of the property. And if mom quit, there's a balance. Doesn't matter. They don't care. Bank doesn't oh. care. They don't care who pays for it. And mom wants to come in and pay for it. Okay, let her. Uh, it's your brother's home. It's his okay, house. Good. And if she elects yeah. to pay off uh, the mortgage or any part of it or the maintenance, that's just her call. Yeah. So uh, it's your brother. Yeah. So all the rest of you have gotten completely screwed. So how how old is mom? Mom's over eighty. Got it. She's right. eighty nine now. Okay, yeah. so she screwed but, you over. We 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 agreed my brother would get the house because he lived there. Before, all right. So uh, so what are you saying? You're asking, does your mom get the money back? Uh, do you get any part of it? And the answer is probably not. No. No. My question was, who has control okay, over Okay, he does. Your bro- your, my sister. Yeah, your brother, and he has the right to evict your sister. He owns the house uh, like uh, anybody else. All right, James, uh, where the hell are you? New phone system I'm still never going to get used to. Hi, James. Uh, welcome to Handle on the Law. Uh, yeah, my issue is I bought a home my final day of walking through. Um, I didn't think I had to vet my neighbor's beautiful neighborhood. They're cussing, yelling, yelling, playing rap music, yelling at each other, windows open, 10 in the morning on Sunday. I bail out. I say, you can keep the earnest deposit. I don't care. Whatever. You know. A month later, the escrow company calls me, and I said if you to the guy, if you have a good heart, give me back my money. You right, know? and he should. Then, yeah, the, for sure. So the escrow company then calls me. And says, where do you want the money sent? I never called them, asked for it. So I'm all, I gave them an address. They sent it. I got my money. I cashed it back. I thought the guy had a change of heart. Let go. A month later, they call me and said they made a mistake and they need their money back. Okay. And I'm uh, all, Yeah, I get it. Go I get ahead. it. Okay. So uh, just one quick question. The earnest money, is that a non-refundable uh, deposit? No, I believe they check they check it to where it's supposed to go in a mediation or something all along right. those lines. So here's what you do. Uh, first of all, the argument is uh, that it's yours. The money is yours because uh, you went through the walkthrough and you legitimately bailed out because of failure to disclose by the seller. Uh, not telling you that the house is effectively uninhabitable because of your crazy neighbors. And uh, if he has a problem, he can take you to mediation. That's it. I wouldn't turn around. Yeah, yeah, I am the man. I love you. All right. Of course he does. He loves me and I'm the man and he'll probably lose. Uh, but see, that's as much fun as telling people you have absolutely no case. And you notice I'm doing that less and less because I realized after all of these years, it's a lot more fun telling folks, yes, you have a case knowing they don't. 
And uh, then at whatever uh, arbitration, court, uh, uh, courthouse, uh, mediation, uh, I, I can just imagine that bastard handle. What did he do? Exactly. This is Handle on the Law. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve. Marginal legal advice. Angela. Hello, Angela. Welcome to Handle on the Law. What can I do for you? Yes, uh, I live in California. My question is about um, property taxes that are collected with my mortgage payment. The mortgage company is stating that I have to pay almost two times the amount um, that is assessed uh, through the taxes. Now, my question is, can the mortgage company do that? And what happens to the money uh, after the year ends? Because it's the second year that they're requesting this. All right. So, first of all, I have uh, the property taxes gone up. We start with that. Yeah. They have gone up. So, uh, if you look at uh, whatever mortgage document you have when you borrowed the money to buy the house... Uh, it says if you're paying through the mortgage company, which if you normally don't have 80 percent of or 20 percent equity, uh, they have uh, they have the right to choose uh, to uh, make you pay the taxes through the payments. So uh, if the interest, uh, if um, the taxes have gone up and the agreement says the only thing we're going to collect is are the taxes going up, you have to actually the, the document is going to control uh, Angela. And uh, it's okay. and depending on the agreement, the loan agreement, uh, until your house hits twenty percent equity, they can keep on collecting taxes forever to make sure the taxes are paid because the house is secured by them, and taxes owed are primary. They they actually fall into a secondary position, even though it's a first mortgage. So I, I think I think they can. You have to read the document. Uh, that's uh, what. Uh, that's where it goes. All right, Mark. Hey, Mark. Yes. yes, sir. What can I do for you? Well, I have a landlord tenant issue. Actually, an eviction. Uh, we went to trial, and I was awarded a judgment through mediation. Uh, the tenant was, or we agreed that she would pay me back the bash rent in installments. Subsequently, she has not done any of the things that we agreed to. So my question is, how do I collect uh, oh, yeah. this tax? Okay, you have a judgment already. So now what you get to do is uh, either garnish wages. If you know where the tenant works, you can actually garnish wages. You can try to collect assets. If uh, you know where the tenant banks, I'm assuming that uh, the tenant was paying you via check, Correct. Yes, okay. I have all of her banking information. All right, so you can attack bank accounts. Okay, and how you, would I do that? You go to the marshal. I... You go to the marshal's office. You find out what the it mar- can. Yeah, you go to the uh, marshal's office. You fill out the. Uh, you simply fill out the paperwork, and they will. And they'll serve. And that's how okay. you do. It. They do all the work for you. Okay, Jeff, you're up. Yes, Jeff. Welcome to handle on the law. Hey, Bill. Uh... 
keep it real short. I have a 10-year-old son. I've had joint legal and physical custody since 2014. Prior to that, he was born in 2009. Prior to that, I had graduated uh, custody from you know 10 to 30 percent, so on and so forth. So I had full custody since 14, <clears throat> or I mean of joint. I just got served. Mom is uh, suing or wants to take him to Texas. All right. That's it. Okay. And uh, so a couple of things. First of all, you say no. Uh, and right. if you want to get, uh, she has to get the court's permission. She can't just up and move to Texas. No, she she has uh, served me. Uh, we have mediation. Okay. And, uh, All right. Does she have the no? Does she have the right to move? Of course she does for a job or move with family. And if you have joint custody, then arrangements have to be made where you're going to get visitation or custody half the time. And man, that is uh, just brutal trying to figure that out. Because you're talking about flying the kid back and forth. Uh, you're talking about uh, school, wherever the child is going to go to school, which means five days a week, uh, the kid is going to have to stay, uh, I guess, in Texas. Or part of the mediation is uh, your child stays with you. And she right. has well, to come out and visit. I mean, uh, wouldn't the court favor that because he'd be uh, being uprooted? And we yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I think the court would certainly look at that. Uh, that's one of uh, the criteria. The other criterion is friends, uh, where you have to make right. a whole new group right. of friends. And it's going and, and the argument is going to be it's going to be much, much tougher on – it's your son, right? It's my son, yeah. Okay. And she, she's offering me one month a year. All right. Well, of course you say no to that because uh, she can – yeah, that, so that, that she doesn't know where she's going to. She's going on with that one. So, uh, you know, just go and see the, in the mediation – and uh, she'll see if she agrees, because it sounds like at this point you are open uh, to a reasonable uh, mediation, a reasonable offer. What, and I don't even know what that is when someone moves a, a thousand miles away and it looks like she's coming from a position that, eh, come on, really? So your first step, mediation. You may end up in court, by the way. You may end up in well, straight-out litigation. Court, I mean, we have a court date, Bill. Okay, but, you, uh, but wait a second. Do you have a, so yeah. tell me about the difference. Why, where's the mediation if you have a court date? The court date or the mediation is prior to the court date. Right, just exactly. to limit, eliminate all the minutiae right. in the court. All right, so you'll see what happens at the mediation. Right. That's right, it. Right. And then whatever's left, if you can't come to terms, then you go in front of the judge and uh, you make your arguments. She makes her arguments. And uh, we'll see which way the judge is going to go. It's going to be the judge's call on this one. And uh, this is uh, Solomon's baby. I mean, uh, Solomon's splitting the baby in half. That's very, very tough decision to make for a judge. Now, uh, let's talk about you using public Wi-Fi, which most of us do. I mean, I know my daughter goes to Starbucks and uses their Wi-Fi. And the problem is uh, that that is wide open to attack, even password protected. Which is why you need Norton Secure VPN. It's a virtual private network that uses bank-grade encryption to hide your online activities. So cyber criminals can't see your private information while you're connected to Wi-Fi. Or even companies that just want to track your browsing activities can't do it. And Norton Secure VPN is seamless. You install it, log in once, and it's done. So if you would like uh, real security... Yet Norton Secure VPN, browse privately. You can secure your connections even today. 
Go to Norton.com slash VPN. Protection starts at $333 a month for the first year with annual enrollment. Norton.com slash VPN. Terms apply. Norton.com slash VPN. This is Handle on the Law. Uh, good morning on a Saturday morning handle here right up until 11 o'clock followed by Leo Laporte this afternoon two to five it's Neil Savadra with a fork report uh, tonight six to eight o'clock Mo Kelly and uh, after eight it's uh, the dark secret place with uh, Brian suits phone numbers HOA uh, for excuse me I have an HOA call that's what I did uh, phone number, 800-520-1534, 800-520-1534. Best time to get in. We actually have a couple of lines uh, open. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Now, uh, here in Southern California, uh, there is, I think of Santa Anita Racetrack, had this horrible situation where horses were dropping like flies. I think the first uh, several months of the horse racing season, uh, 23, 24 deaths, which incidentally happen more often than you think. Horses' legs are very slender. I mean, at their ankles are about the size of a Coke bottle, if you can imagine, holding up 2,000 pounds and the kind of stress that a horse goes uh, has while it's uh, racing at breakneck speed. And so quite often horses trip, and when they do break their bones, it's over. You know, can't put them in a cast. That doesn't work. So the horses die. Well, because so many horses died early on in the season, there was a move afoot, a horse's afoot, uh, to ban horse racing, just outright ban horse racing. Now, heretofore, when you had people like PETA and other animal rights groups screaming about uh, stopping horse racing, they were dismissed. Come on, it's too big an industry. Uh, the gambling part of it is too too big. It's just it hires X number of people, and we don't get rid of horse racing. It's been around forever. Well, as, after all of the, these deaths, all of a sudden, the movement to ban horse racing actually got some legs. And Los Angeles could soon be the first major city to ban horse racing. The L.A. Board of Animal Services is considering a motion to prohibit racing and off-track betting in L.A. Now, uh, that is mainly a, a symbolic move, but then when that moves to the legislature, which I think is going to happen, then you have a real problem. Now, the really interesting part of this is where the 30 horses died at Santa Anita Park. That won't be affected. However... The governor, Governor Newsom, last month uh, gave the California Horse Racing Board the authority to do so. So it looks like it's going to be on its way. Now, we could. Now, here's what happens. When Los Angeles, Southern California, California passes uh, any social legislation, that's usually the first and the rest of the states then follow. I think what we should follow is what they do in France. And I don't know if you're aware of how they deal with horse racing in France. If a horse has to be destroyed because it uh, 
can't uh, be cured for whatever. You know what they do in France? They eat the horse. They like horse meat in France. It's not like the horse goes off to the glue factory, which I don't think they do anymore, or for cat food, which I think they do do. It's uh, horse steak. So you go to France, you go to, um, you know what? I'd like uh, that champion. I'd like to eat that horse. Why not? Now, if I were to go forward, what I would do is have pictures of horses on the walls. You know, you see those in restaurants all the time, champion horses. And uh, you simply go, I'll take some of that. And uh, you get to eat. All right. Fair enough. L.A. laws. Why not? All right. Here we go. Uh, Let's go ahead and uh, take some uh, phone calls. Starting with you. Darnell, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Darnell. Hey, Bill, I want to thank you very much. I talked to you uh, a couple months ago about a dispute I was having with GM. They were failing to honor a uh, extended service contract. So you recommended that I throw myself on the mercy of them and that they do the right thing. Well, they sort of did. They issued me a complimentary service for the oil change I had to pay for and then told me that they were going to reinstate it. So when I went to my Cadillac dealership last week to get my oil change, I found out that they had not reinstated it after all. So what I did is I got on the horn again and talked to these, uh, what is it, the Cadillac Business Resource Center. And uh, so they're, they're granting me a $100 uh, service uh, credit. So I feel like I've been made whole. But here's my question. Since they never honored this contract, can I go to small claims court and claim that they uh, that they were fraudulent? Ah, that I have information and it. belief that they defrauded me. All right. So uh, you were made whole. All right. So let's say yes. you can prove fraud. How much money are you going to ask for? Well, you know, it's not uh, so much the damage that I suffered. I think that I should get at least nine hundred ninety-five dollars right. because Based they never on... honored the service contract. But they but made, then, but they, I... but they made you whole. Well, they made me whole, but they committed a fraud because they never actually said. Okay, so that now they we're honoring that contract. Got it. So you're now going to argue fraud, which, by the way, is, you have to prove intent to commit fraud. Some Mm -hmm. kind of evidence saying, oh, we'll promise this, but we have no intention of doing it. You have that Mm -hmm. you have that kind of proof, correct? Either a witness statement proof that the Cadillac agency that I gave the money to never forwarded it to. Okay. All right. So that's that. I would argue that's negligence, not fraud, unless you can prove the Cadillac agency. Someone there said, hey, Let's go ahead and tell him that we are forwarding, but we have no intention of forwarding forwarding him, and we don't want anybody to pay. I'm sure you have lots of proof of that one, either an email or somebody who works there that's willing to testify that's what happened. Right? Probably not. There you go. There you are. No case whatsoever fraud. Yeah, Because they didn't forward an email or a warranty. God, don't you just love it? Truly. All right, Tom. Hello, Tom. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Uh, Bill, I'm in a uh, ending part of a probate case, and I'm about ready to uh, submit my pleading to have the uh, final distribution. I have two ways to 
waive the accounting of, of the executor because the executor is my granddaughter since her mom died last year. The other situation is she is the only distributee. So oh, she's course, a, she's a, waiver, all right. So she's uh, a, she, all right. She's the benefit. She's the okay. She's the beneficiary. She's the only beneficiary, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, so why wouldn't you just waive it? And why wouldn't you? And all, you're not really waiving anything you're entitled to. What you're saying is, I'm not going to contest it. I have nothing to do with it, and I'm fine with everything. Even if I, uh, if it can be argued that I'm a recipient or a beneficiary, which it can't be. So uh, you can just ignore it. And uh, then you don't contest it and fine. Or you go ahead and sign the documents and uh, the court may want uh, you to waive. Could be. And uh, whatever. You just do You just do what she wants you to do. Whatever is easiest. Okay. And- the, the only issue really is there's two different ways to do this. One is to p- include it in the six or seven items in the pleading. Would the court do this? Would the court do this? Or the other way to do it is to file... A, for the, the granddaughter to file a separate pleading it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. the accounting. I didn't know if she needed to file it separately no, I don't or know. can I don't, she include it. I think, well, she can certainly include it. As long as you sign off, nobody seems to care. And since she's the only beneficiary and you're, gonna, and you're not going to try to grab the money, uh, the way, for example, uh, just to let you know, uh, the beneficiaries, I, I have a trust at home and, of course, uh, family trust and all the money goes to my wife. And uh, she decides on what to do with it, assuming that um, uh, she survives me. And then it goes to my daughters, right? And we're, it's supposed to be split equally. What my daughters don't know is we have set it up so they have to fight each other for the money. And I can't wait for them to realize that they are going to be in a cat fight for the money. That's entertainment with a capital E. This is Handle on the Law. And uh, welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. All right, Uh, Ken. uh, There you are, Ken. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. um, My mother-in-law just got a three-day notice. To perform a covenant or quit, she's in a senior complex. Her, her downstairs neighbor is new, and she's been complaining about noise and yelling. This was like two weeks ago, and we spoke to her daughter, spoke to the manager with the downstairs neighbor present two weeks ago. There hasn't been really anything in the last two weeks yet. Uh, she just got a notice yesterday uh, with additional concerns, I guess, in the notice uh, from the last three, four days when there's been nothing. So she's going to speak to the uh, manager Monday when they open back up. What should she do? Well, first of all, what is, in this second three-day notice or the first one, what is she breaching or what are they accusing her of that they're issuing a three-day notice? Uh, loud noises and loud and yelling. Okay. Uh, so in she, the they, unit ab- all right. above the neighbor. All right, so they're accusing her of loud yelling and noises, correct? Correct. All right, is she doing that? Uh, well, there's been, uh, her mother-in-law, is not, her mother is 92 years old, and she always, she, she needs help 
pretty much all around the clock with different people. Her daughter, me, and another person comes in to help. I guess uh, there has been, uh, there was a, recently there was a, a birthday, so we were in there after 10 o'clock one night celebrating. Maybe that was what she was complaining about. Okay, well, about, that's not enough. That's, I mean, that's not enough. Two weeks ago, there's been no, okay. there's been nothing. All right, then first of all, you well, you have to answer it, but three-day notice, or you, you simply write and say, we're complying. We're simply complying. Now they have to prove uh, that you get, uh, that you have, uh, or that room has created all of that noise. You have to prove it. And then you go out and you hire a lawyer. Now, here's the good news of hiring a lawyer. There are tons of lawyers out there that help elderly people for free to deal with it because that is a easily fought eviction. However, uh, do does she want to win uh, against a facility that doesn't want her there. I mean, that's the other Pretty issue. Pretty much, yes, because she doesn't want to move. She's been there okay, uh, and a, in another I, unit in this one for 15 years. All right, but again, she now has a management company that wants her out. And so even if she wins the battle, uh, you're dealing with a company that's going to make her life miserable. That has nothing to do legally, by the way. It's just uh, sitting in a facility where they, they're going to make your life miserable, or they're not. I have no idea. But the point is, she can easily fight that. You go to um, you know an elder abuse uh, place. They're, they're listed all over the place uh, that help uh, the elderly people for free. And uh, there are lawyers who actually specialize in uh, little old ladies about to get thrown out of facilities because of noise accusations. I mean, it's right there. It's certified subspecialty. All right? So try that. Elder abuse. Yeah, elder okay. abuse attorney. Yeah. Uh, and only not that this is elder abuse, mind you. It's just that that's where I'd go to uh, start the search. William. Hello, William. Yes. Yes, sir. Great. My daughter wasn't in an accident. Her car was fully totaled. Somebody hit her. She hit a car in front of her. Not her fault. Um, that was on May 28th. May, June 3rd, the car was deemed fully totaled by the, uh, the auto dealership. It was confirmed on the 6-11th by the insurance company. And then uh, we never got a payment until July 9th. Okay, and that's from the insurance company of the driver, correct? The other driver. That's correct. Okay, fine. But they didn't reimburse for the rental car. When the accident occurred, they said, oh, yeah, we'll cover the rental car. Right. We sent multiple emails, phone calls. How how much is the rental car? $1,500. All right, well, there's your lawsuit against the other driver uh, for $1,500. Now... When uh, you received the check for the car, did she sign off and say this is in for all liability the driver may have? Was there a general liability waiver? No, they're okay, trying good. to do that right now. No, no, they're you don't saying, sign it. Oh, no. no, no, you don't sign, especially after you've gotten your money. You do not sign anything. What you get to do is go after the driver of the car in small claims court and then the driver gets a talk with his insurance company because his insurance company is actually screwing him by not paying you. And you're going to take the driver to small claims court, and you'll be fine because you're going to win. Here it is. They accepted liability. They paid for the car. They just won't pay for my damages, which is uh, the car rental. And that's and the insurance company is saying, hey, you, they maxed out on the claim of the 1500 we owe you. It- 
we'll pay you a thousand dollars and find no, this waiver. No, no, you say no. Now, do you will you take a thousand dollars so you don't have to sue? Different issue. So you go back and negotiate. Say, I'll tell you what, I'll take twelve hundred. Uh, and just negotiate. And just negotiate with the insurance company. Now, why wouldn't the insurance company be on the hook? Because they they set, told us verbally in writing. It they send us two emails to say, "Hey, your rental car is due on X date." You don't have, said, because Look, you haven't given us a check. Yeah, and they because, said, "Okay, we'll extend it to Y date." Because so it's we're not, out near these assumptions. We've got okay. two emails from the insurance right. company. Now, because you don't have a relate, you don't have a contract with the insurance company. You weren't damaged by the insurance company. And you can argue, if they've already said we'll pay you, then you can argue breach. So you take both of them to court. You're much better off taking the driver to court, by the way, because taking an insurance company to court may be no small deal. But, you know, you can argue that, uh, especially if you have uh, in writing, we will pay you all of your costs for the rental. And they don't. So you can argue a breach because that was a contract. Uh, based on the fact that uh, the car accident happened. But if people don't understand. It's not the insurance companies that's ever at fault. It's the driver who is at fault. And that's who you have to go after. The insurance company are just the whores that cover the driver. All right. Let's say you're using uh, public Wi-Fi, okay? And uh, you don't know who else is there. I mean, you're exposed to attack, right? Even... Uh, Password-protected public Wi-Fi. You go to a Starbucks, what's your Wi-Fi number or what's your password? They give it to you, but it doesn't matter because you're wide open to a hacker, someone coming in, grabbing your information, which is why Norton Secure VPN is around. It's an easy-to-use virtual private network that uses bank-grade encryption to hide your online activity, particularly public Wi-Fi. So the cyber criminals can't see your private info while you're connected. Or even companies that just want to track your browsing activity. Norton Secure VPN is seamless. You just install it, log in once, let it run in the background, and then you can browse privately and not have to sweat your information being stolen. That's Norton Secure VPN. Protection starts at $333 a month for the first year with annual enrollment. Go to Norton.com slash VPN. Norton.com slash VPN. This is Handle on the Law. here until 11 o'clock with the legal show uh lines open haven't had that for about an hour and a half 800-520-1534 800-520-1534 this is handle on the law marginal legal advice where i tell you you have absolutely no case hello gary gary you're Mr. up Bill Handel, can you hear me i can all right, very good. I call you Mister because I have a lot of respect for you. Oh God! I listen to your show every day. Yeah, it's a bad start. Okay. Uh, my question is this. <laughs> my question is this. I uh, made it years young. A uh, year and a half ago, I purchased a second. vehicle. Wait a second. Hold on. Wait, wait. Did you just say you're eighty years eighty years young? 
Yes, sir. Wow. 80 years. I, I expressly said that. Oh, yeah. I don't, wow. Because I've already got plans in writing between 80 and 90. Because uh-huh. I'm still living. I'm not existing. I've got to live 24 hours a day like everybody else. I make decisions. I do the same damn thing I did for 80 years. So right. you know, that's, here I am. That entire conversation is vomitous. You know that. Let's just move on. Okay. What? Uh, all right. What can I do for you? Here's my question. Yes, sir. Uh, a year and a half ago, I purchased a car uh, for $10,950. It was a 10-year-old car, 2009, with uh, 10,500 uh, miles on it. How do you pay ten? Thought, how do you what? pay ten grand for a car that is 10 years old? I'm just curious. What kind, well, of, what kind of car is it? It's it's a uh, Focus, Ford Focus. Aren't they? I tell you why. Aren't they like four thousand? Even though I never new? go to a car lot because okay. it's always a, an emotional type decision, and a, and a good salesman will nail you with it. Uh, I was prepared to that point. However, the salesman said that uh, when I in, uh, inquired about the, the low mileage and so on, I said, who the hell had this? Uh, an undertaker or whatever. And he just made fun of it, and uh, I said, by the way, uh, what, what is the book at right now? And he said, uh, about 9800 I said, well, okay, uh, this may be the last car that I'll have to purchase because I couldn't afford much more. And uh, I uh, I accepted his his uh, statement as far, as far as what the car is worth. Uh, two weeks after cutting short on the, on the story here, uh, two weeks after I took it back because the thing was shake and rattle and rock and roll and uh i took it in they said no 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 problem gary we'll take care of it you know blah blah blah. i drove off in the meantime i moved from nevada to to here to orange county uh i went back to uh the same dealership uh because it was getting worse and worse and worse they looked at it they diagnosed the same thing nineteen hundred dollars worth that they said they had fixed, which wasn't fixed. I've got absolute proof of that. Uh, it just goes on and on and on. I can add too much here. All right. However, so what's your uh, question? Do I have recourse? Well, okay, a couple with things. Respect to yeah. what I'm talking about. I got it. All right. So uh, the first thing is uh, when uh, the salesman said that uh, the value of this thing is ninety eight hundred dollars or ninety six hundred dollars. Uh, I'm assuming you didn't look to see if that's the case. So he clearly lied to you, and he will deny it because that was a verbal conversation as opposed to a written agreement or a written uh, a written document that uh, said what he said. So, I mean, if he had said part of it that the car is worth $9,800, that would have been different. But he told you that, and he's going to go, no, never said that. All right, so that one's out the window. Uh, second of all, uh, as far as the repairs are concerned – uh, there, theoretically, you get them, but this was how long ago? Did you say a year and a half ago? A year and a half ago. Why did you? Uh, why by the way, you... I, I uh, had the same company uh, 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 do the same thing to, to the car and see what it was worth. Same company. Uh, nine months after that, after they fixed it, they didn't charge me a dime. They were very good about that, obviously, because I'd have been all over their ass. Uh they and they booked it at fifty two hundred. Yeah, the guy said, lied to you. Wait a minute. The I guy... went to the sales manager. I said something is wrong here. Right. I'd like to talk about it. And the guy lied to you. Clearly, the uh, uh, salesman lied to you. 
and he didn't check Absolutely. up. Okay, and he's not going to admit he lied to you. So that entire conversation is off the table. What the salesman did was overcharge you and was probably congratulated uh, by the sales manager on that one. So, uh, yeah, you can uh, try, but the argument's going to be, why'd you drive it for a year and a half? Because if you knew it was too, it was bad two months later or two weeks later, and then they fixed it and they didn't fix it, uh, and if, it, if the same problem pops up a year and a half later, they can say, hey, we fixed it. So I don't know where you're going to go on that one. I mean, you can try, uh, and, uh, and again, what's a, a, what's a Ford Focus worth, incidentally? Uh, because I'm a 10-year-old Ford, Ford Focus I mean, new, they're like $22,000, aren't they? I don't know. But anyway, okay. But in any case, uh, you can try a small claims court, but I don't know where you're going to go with that. And make sure you tell uh, the judge, I'm 80 years young. All right? Because that always flies. uh, Certainly does in my life. All right, Frank. Hello, Frank. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Frank, are you there? Huh. We have a, is he there? Is he uh, the delay? I don't know. Maybe he's listening uh, on the late. We'll hold off on uh, Frank. All right, Kurt, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Kurt, your your turn. Hey, Bill, the question is, uh, do we need an attorney? Yes. We've got an HOA. We've got concrete in our backyard that goes almost to the back fence. And the back fence is a two-foot pony wall with a four-foot wrought iron on top. What the problem is, is HOA's trees are on the other side of that fence, and they're lifting up our slab in our backyard. Oh, all right. And you've made and a, you've made a claim with the HOA? We've started a claim. They've mm-hmm. sent out an attorney, and they sent out a civil engineer and an arborist. Now, they're not telling us anything, but the attorney called yesterday and said they're going to come out and do some more testing. And I pull up the carpet in one of the back bedrooms that faces the back fence, and we got a big crack in our slab. Ooh, okay. And we, and we can find we can find roots that go all the way all right. up yeah. through the house. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. You're probably going to need an attorney on that one. If it was just the wall, uh, and then then I'd say something. But uh, they're going to be sending tests out there, and if it's an independent testing organization, uh, then mm-hmm. and and if it is the fault of the roots, would it sure sounds that way to me? Uh, he's going to say it, or she's going to say. It's the roots, which means that they have to cut the roots and repair the the slab in your house. Uh, the HOA gets to do that and files an insurance claim with the HOA's insurance company. If the engineer... Yeah, we, we dug up... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. You dug up what? We dug up the dirt between our slab and the, and the back fence, and we could see their roots coming through okay. underneath the, the pony wall. Okay, so now, uh, do the roots go all the way... To the house? No, it's concrete all the way to the house. I understand, but they're, the testing they're going to do is they're probably going to drill right down through the concrete. And uh, well, check they want to come out. He called. He wants to bring out more experts. Yeah, let him. He has to. Okay, so what? Let him bring out the experts. As a matter of fact. Should we trust him or not? Should uh, we you trust want... this attorney or not? Their attorney? No, but is but they're not doing anything other than testing. You're not waiving any liability. You're not saying you're at fault. You're not saying, well, you don't have to pay. All you're saying, all you're agreeing to is a testing organization to come out and test for the roots. So no harm, no foul. And one of two things happens. Uh, The engineer says, nope, uh, it is not the roots that's causing it. Or uh, he says, yep, 
it's the roots, and then the conversation is over. The HOA has to deal with it, or he doesn't know. Gee, it's equivocal. Maybe yes, maybe no. And then you get to send your engineer out there. And if it's yeah. and then you have no choice because we're talking about a lot of money here. So the the at this point, yes, you let the individual uh, the let the expert test, and then you take it from there. And then you call me back when they try to screw you because you know they're going to. Uh, so but we should get an attorney then. Uh, no, at this point, you don't need an attorney. At this point, all you're doing is allowing an independent tester, uh, testing organization to come in, an engineer, which is fine. Just let him come in. Uh, you don't need an attorney at this point. All right? Just let it happen because there's no no harm, no foul for him to come out and test. All right. This is Handle on the Law. This is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. All right, Paul. Hello, Paul. You're up. Welcome. Thank you. I'm calling about a problem with an airline. Early in July, I got on a plane at LAX to go to Manchester, England, where we were to transfer on up to Edinburgh as a part of a course uh, tourist group program. Uh, when we got to LAX, they put us in the last two seats on the airplane, and, and since they had not followed the rules, they had no room uh, because other people brought more than what they're supposed to to put up above, and they had no room for our luggage. So they uh, put it down below and said, no worry, no problem, it will be there in Manchester when you get there. We said, well, we better be because our outfits that we have to have for performance are there. Uh, got to Manchester and found out that they lied. Uh, there was no luggage. Well, they didn't uh, lie. Wait, 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 wait. They didn't lie. They screwed it up. There's a big difference well, between... Did right. they know... Wait a sec. Did they know in advance that your luggage would not arrive and they told you that it would? No, I have no idea what they thought about the luggage. They said it would be there. I understand. That's what, it, that's what uh, airlines say. That's what airlines say. They're going to sure. deliver the All luggage. Right. Well, anyway, it wasn't. They they said it will be there. Because I said it better be because we really have Yeah, I know. I understand. The, I know. And you, you, you have and a performance. So you have to wear the robes. They, and you don't know yeah. any judges that you can borrow their robes from. Yeah. I get it over there. So it wasn't. So it wasn't there. All right. Uh, I turned in a report at the uh, desk there, and the gal at the counter on that said, "Well, go out and buy what you need uh, to do this, and we will send your luggage on as quick as possible." Well, I didn't think that I, you know, <laughs> a tuxedo is a, yeah, not a terribly spendy thing, but it's a couple hundred bucks or so. And the black dress that my wife needed for her part of the program uh, would have been another fifty, hundred, hundred and fifty bucks. I don't know. Anyway, we met the group. We called in. They they didn't get to, delivered to Edinburgh like we uh, they said it would. Uh, we did not rent a tux. We did not go buy a tux, uh, and we. That the whole performance situation was a, a for our part a, a fiasco. Anyway, uh, it didn't get delivered. It didn't get delivered the next Daddy, day. You, you we understand? Kept, okay, so we how? Kept calling in. Finally, five days later. All right, uh, we got it. Uh, under 
threat from the choir, the, the tour director. They did get us the luggage about midnight uh, the last down that fifth day. Uh, do we have any recourse right. against the airline? Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, what airline is this? Yeah, American. American Airlines? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I was. I thought you were going to say some cheapo creepo uh, airline. That's interesting. Okay. Nope. As far as uh, your damages are concerned, uh, you should have bought or rented a tux, and she should have yeah, bought or rented a dress. Because now yeah. the argument you have is how much money is it worth that you didn't have a tux? Do you, yep. you see what I'm saying? You don't. You don't have hard dollars. You don't have a receipt that says I'm out 150 dollars. What you're saying is, yeah. So I don't know how how much it's worth for you not to have a tux. Now the other side of it also is that there are certain rules and regulations uh, by which the airlines adhere to, uh, and they're getting stiffer and stiffer for the airlines. And that is, they have to deliver the luggage within X number of days. And if they don't, uh, certain amounts of money kick in. And uh, so, uh, and I don't know what the rules are. You can look at the ticket or you can call American Airlines and say, what are the rules if it takes five days? But when you think about it, your your true damages are, you didn't have a tux. Right. And had you gone, I don't we know if didn't you... didn't have a direction. Yeah, no, and that's it. Those are your damages. So, yeah. I don't know, you call American Airlines, maybe they'll give you some vouchers. Uh, maybe they'll uh, give you some discounts. And uh, you just start arguing with them. Because I tell you, if you end up suing them, it's going to be really interesting when you start arguing, well, uh, I I didn't get a tux and I didn't wear a tux to my event, therefore it is worth. And then what do you do? Uh, throw out what kind of dollars? Yeah. All right, so call them up. Yeah. You'll probably do better just calling them. And incidentally, American Airlines, the last flight I took uh, to American Airlines and I went to Orlando uh, was... Phenomenal! It was the best coach seat I'd ever been in in all the flying I've ever done. And yeah, the luggage yeah. was there. So they obviously hate you, uh, clearly. And, obviously. Yeah, yeah, and you probably have a horrible voice. And, uh, you know, what else could I say? All right, uh, one uh, quick one here. Um, Frank! Hello, Frank. Yes, uh, good morning, Bill. Thank yes, you for sir. taking my call. Sure. I have a, I have a question concerning... Um, <clears throat> Is it legal in or allowable by California uh, law for a property owner to charge back for his labor a fair and reasonable rate to a former tenant um, in uh, replacing and repairing items uh, that needed to be sure. uh, repaired sure. rather than hire a third party? Yeah, I, think, I don't think he has to hire a third party. He's allowed to say, this is the labor I did and I want 20 bucks an hour or whatever. Sure. Mm-hmm. Nothing illegal about well, that. And especially if uh, it's probably far less than uh, bringing in a painter and bringing in a professional if you want to do it. Yeah, I charge $25 an hour at most, and so they're going to be three times that. But here's here's the question. I was recently in a um, small claims action. Uh, The commissioner handed down a decision which reflected, although it didn't identify, an amount which was equivalent to not allowing the labor charge. Okay. that was the plain. That was the plaintiff's. One of the plaintiff's arguments was, "I'm not allowed to do it by California law." So I'm asking you, and you say it is. I think it is. Yeah. And uh, the, okay. what did the judge say? The judge uh, ended up uh, agreeing with him. Well, uh, 
not then. He took it under submission in, right. in the mail uh, two days ago. Hey, I incidentally, did uh, and did the uh, plaintiff in this case, did he specifically note the law? Did he say under section whatever it is? No. Uh, he just said under California no. law. All right, so the judge now gets to do uh, the research. But I think uh, that, that that is allowed. So you're just waiting for the judgment to come down, right? Well, I think it's been done. It's in the mail now as we speak. So, so you, you have no idea. So, so you have no idea. No, I do know. I got the minutes from the. Uh, okay, and what did you do? Did you? And, and oh, I, I see. And, and so the judge did not allow the reasonable labor. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, the judge can do that, even in light of uh, California law being silent on it. Uh, the judge can say, "I'm just not giving it to you." He easily can say okay. that. You well, did that's... it on your own. It's, it's your right. choice. Yeah. So okay. all right. So. Yeah, I mean, small claims uh, court judges can do any damn thing they want. And I'm willing to bet under these circumstances, the judge didn't even look up the law. He just accepted the argument under California law. Oh, okay, got it. This is Handle on the Law. Saturday morning handle here, right for another hour. And uh, Leo Laporte comes aboard. That's uh, until uh, 2 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, Leo with the tech show. And then uh, Neil Saavedra from 2 to 5. Uh, he does the food show. And uh, then what? 6 to 8, Mo Kelly tonight with uh, the cleverly named Mo Kelly show. And then come at 8 o'clock, you've got the super secret hyper local. You're in a hole, can't get out of uh, Sunday with uh, Brian Suits. All right. Oh, phone number. We still have a few lines open. 800-520-1534. 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right. This one is uh, kind of interesting. And that is, is here in California that there is a new bill Uh, That's going through the legislature. And uh, this makes sense when you think about it, because uh, we have millions of Californians uh, who have criminal records and they've done their time. uh, They've done their parole. They've done their when they've done their uh, probationary period. And it's still on the record, even though and even misdemeanors. And they can't get housing. Or a job, because as soon as someone applies for a job, even a qualified person applying for a job on the application, have you ever been convicted? Sometimes felony. Sometimes it says misdemeanor and felony. Uh, Who's going to hire someone who has a criminal record, all things being equal? And let's say roughly uh, you who have a criminal record, let's say, are the same quality, same caliber of employee as someone who doesn't, by default, Uh, The person with the record is history. So there is a bill afoot, AB 1076, uh, that would automatically erase the criminal records of people who have successfully finished probation after serving a county jail sentence. County jail is misdemeanor. Uh, And uh, also those people arrested but never convicted of a crime would have their records cleared without having to petition the court. Because at this point, uh, you have to go into court and have the record cleared, expunged. 
So this actually makes sense because someone who has done the time, has paid the penalty, now uh, is paying for the rest of his or her life. I mean, there's even an argument as to sex offenders who have done their time, have paid their debt to society, and they have a, well, they they have a sentence for the rest of their lives. And you can argue both sides. And uh, more people, I think, say when it comes to sex offense, particularly when it comes to uh, child uh, predation, uh, then that's just too bad. But when you go to this situation, uh, misdemeanor conviction, doesn't it make sense to say, we're not going to hold that against you? Okay, there you go. And the answer to me is a real clear yes. All right, so much for that. Uh, Let's uh, go ahead and take some uh, phone calls here. Uh, Shannon, we'll start with you. Hello, Shannon. Hi. um, My father-in-law married a woman about 15 years ago, and um, they're both elderly. And through the years, the wife was uh, diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and my father-in-law became very confused. So the wife went into a nursing home, and the father came and lived with us. He still lives with us. And now uh, the wife's children are coming after us, um, wanting $1,700 a month to help pay for her nursing home. Now, he was uh, retired for many, many years before he married her. And uh, he did put her as like a survivor on his pension, but the only income he has is that pension. All right. So, uh, are they? Still, wait a second. Are, 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 is uh, are they still married? Yes. Okay. He, you don't have to pay. He has to pay out of community well, assets. However, hold on. The pension uh, only is responsible. He is responsible. Uh, basically, becomes community uh, community assets of which uh, up to the point where they got married and his pension, I'm assuming, kicked in a long time before that. It's a, the uh, the formula yeah. is a little bit crazy, but you were going to ask uh, another question before I rudely and uh, hilariously interrupted you. <laughs> I can't remember what it was now. <laughs> there you are. And maybe it's time for you to go into that facility because your yeah, memory right. <laughs> is disappearing very quickly. But uh, you are you are not responsible at all, at all. You're off the hook. They, well, can, they can charge whatever they want. Okay, so my husband has power of attorney, and um, my father-in-law gets about 6000 a month, but he has a mortgage still on the house. We haven't rented the house or sold it or anything. It's just sitting there empty. Um, we still have a mortgage on that, and then he has credit card. You know, he has expenses, yeah. and there really isn't okay. 1700 left. And so that's, and that's, my uh, husband is going to have to pay. Right. Well, no. You, first, of all, you. first of all, you guys don't pay. All right, because you're not responsible. The only person responsible is uh, the husband uh, of uh, the woman is going in. And again, there is an issue of uh, community assets, which has to be paid other that doesn't. And the fact that he simply doesn't have the money. So I don't think he I don't think he has it. I don't think they have any community assets. Really, oh, and by the way, OK, was earned before right, the marriage. Fair enough. Right? I think he's OK. But let's go back to the daughters wanting the money at uh, 15 or 1700 dollars a month. I don't think, and I was just being hypothetical, assuming that the money was owed. Now we're going to them arguing for the money, unless there was an agreement, unless they say we're going to charge this amount of money. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, that's insanity. You know, for example, I had a case uh, where an employee of mine who we let go uh, sued us 
Uh, and we wanted, I mean, it was a stupid lawsuit. Matter of fact, we sued uh, her and received a settlement after the fact. But uh, for uh, abuse of, uh, for malicious prosecution. But part of her argument was she wanted $1,500 a month uh, because we allowed her to work at home. And therefore, she was entitled to rent because she used her bedroom as an office. And, of course, we never agreed to it. The only agreement was you can work at home. And so the judge tossed that so quickly because it was never a written agreement. And to have uh, a family member move in with you and then come back later and say, oh, by the way, we want $1,700 a month without some kind of agreement is crazy. So you're fine on both uh, parts. Tell her to go pound sand. You'll be fine. Okay. Great. Okay. There you are. Yeah. I just wanted to get into the other one because I was kind of fun with the formula and all that. But, you know, from the beginning, I mean, there's no place for them to go. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Hey, Bill. Yeah, Bill. What's really frustrating, you go to a uh, service, and in the past, sometimes they would put their price. They would say, yeah, this is the cost of, uh, you know, a haircut. Uh, this is the cost of, um, uh, going and getting a haircut. Now it seems like, you know, everyone's hiding their prices. Um, uh, it's frustrating. What is the law on services rendered? You have to you have to state your prices. I don't think you do have to state your prices. I think you can just uh, tell your price. If you're asked, I think you can just go in without a price uh, being told. I don't think there's any law that says you have to. Uh, what are we talking about? How badly did you get screwed over? Yeah, so basically it was a haircut. Okay, a haircut. And it's a combo team. Yeah, a haircut. Yeah, you know, a style. You know, get your hair styled. Yeah, cheap. you can. It can. Yeah, how much? You know, what? It can run up to a hundred dollars. Right, it could be. You know, you're yeah. right. I mean, I go to, to Supercuts, and I was devastated when they charged twenty two dollars. Uh, and that was uh, I'm going. Come on, that's way too much money. Well, because it takes them eight minutes to do my hair. So, uh, what, what? what happened? So you got a haircut, and then what? Yeah. So okay. Okay. So then what? Okay. So there's two people working at the uh, the barbershop. One of the gals, she's always kind of like had a set price. And then she has a partner, okay, and the partner says, no, I'll cut your hair. Okay, fine. So um, uh, she's cutting my hair, and everything goes good. And then she goes, oh, okay, you owe me $20. I all go, right. I don't have it. I don't have it. It's always been $10. Yep. I know we're now talking ten dollars. That this is a major, major case for me to deal with. I'm glad. So coming up right after you, yeah. someone will be ripped off for two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. But put them on hold, okay, Sam. Uh, let me ask you uh, real quickly, and uh, that is, uh, you said you didn't have twenty dollars, and so what did uh, she do after that? Is he gone? Oh, all right. Oh, well, too bad. I was really going to have a good time with that. Uh, that's a shame. Over $10. What happens when you don't have $10? I was going to say, did she call the police? Uh, I would have. Look at that guy's ripping me off. He won't give me the, the price. And then he comes back and says, but the price isn't listed. And she says, we don't have to have the price. And so then she insists on a citizen's arrest where the cop has to arrest him for $10 and do all the paperwork. And, of course, the, the police officer says, no problem. I'll be more than happy to arrest him over $10. Oh, God, let's take a break. For God's sake, this is Handle on the Law. I'm getting them good vibes. I'm living this good life. I'm breathing on God's time. And, I ain't and uh, we're back. So 
This is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. All right, John. There we go. I'm trying to figure out which call I want to take, and I sit there and go, uh, so sorry for the delay, or I don't care if you're sorry or not. What can I do for you, John? Hi, Bill. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I have to. Okay, I was... <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I was racing motocross. When you go into the track, you sign a release of liability uh, if you get in, for getting in, if you get injured. Well... Uh, the track that day was short one flagger. They have to have one on every jump. Uh, I happened to go down off of the jump and the guy in second place didn't know I went down because there was no flagger. Right. And he would, Uh, and had there been a flagger there, he would have, uh, stopped or uh, known that you were there. Correct. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, all right. Landed on my head. Ooh. <clears throat> the frame of the bike landed on my head and pushed my head down and broke the helmet. Woke up four and a half days later and uh, don't remember about four months or so. Um, had to learn how to walk again. Ooh. And oh, everything. all right. So do you have permanent damage? Um, I mean, a little bit on memory. All right, well, that's, and, per- that's permanent. Uh, that's permanent. All right. Uh, yeah, let me... Uh, seven okay. stitches on my forehead. Okay, well, no, that's... Uh, I was just... Permanent damage is worth just buckets of money, but uh, even what you went through is uh, worth uh, a fair amount of money. Uh, so uh, let me go through it real quickly. Okay, what's my name? Quick, quick, quick. Come on, come on, come on. See? Bill. Okay, yeah. Well, there you go, but it's 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 a memory issue. You're right. It just takes a little a little bit of time. What's your name? Quick. Quick! What's your name? What's your name? John. John? Oh, yeah, John. There's some issues. Oh, there's no question. <laughs> you, you've got some serious issues there. Okay, so uh, let me go through the rules real quickly. The waiver okay. that you signed saying that they're not responsible uh, only goes so far as to their negligence. You don't waive their negligence. In other words, uh, if... The job is for them to supply a flagger, and they don't do that. And I'm assuming they didn't tell you, did they? Did they say in advance, incidentally, on uh, the mountain number two or the hill number two, we don't have a flagger, so you have to be more careful. Did they say any of that? Oh, no. Okay. Uh, Or you would have forgotten even if they had. I mean, let's be honest. (laughs) Uh, I uh, I think you have them. I think you have them because it's negligence. This is not a question of you getting just banged up and falling. And uh, it's part of the cost of doing business with motocross where people, you know, hit each other and you go flying off uh, into the dirt and you hurt yourself or break bones or whatever that then the waiver works. But them violating their own policy and, and creating an unsafe situation. I think you have a case there. I really do, John, and it's not a small case either because if you're talking about uh, permanent memory loss, and all kidding aside, permanent memory loss, even uh, to a small extent, and everything you went through, I think there's something there. I really do. All right? So you you have to go see a a lawyer, a personal injury lawyer. I mean, it's just that simple. You want to do it fairly quickly. Uh, And if you remember, you should write this down. I have to see a a personal injury attorney. And you can go to handleonthelaw.com and write that one down because we have plenty of attorneys and they will appreciate when you're on the phone. You go, hi, and then there's complete silence for a while. 
Uh, handleonthelaw.com, and I think you'll be fine. Uh, well, I think your lawsuit's good. It's a good case. All right? Good luck to you, man. That is a decent case. You see where I went with that? And not I'm talking about his memory, because that was just a good time had by all, uh, except him probably. It had to do with waivers and people, oh, my God, I signed a waiver. No, no, you don't sign away negligence. That you don't sign away. Now, uh, let me tell you about a major credit card company that announced a data security incident. This was this past week involving credit card customers and applications for credit cards. Over 100 million people affected, including me. First thing I went up there and said is, uh, yep. You're you're one of those people. My wife was affected. Uh, so now you have uh, criminals who can open up, can use this information, open accounts and file tax returns and use credit card information, do all of that. Well, uh, we're OK on my side because uh, we're customers of LifeLock, my entire family, all four of us, because every individual is susceptible. What LifeLock does is detect a wide range of identity threats. You know, for example, your Social Security number for sale on the dark web. And, uh, for example, a few months ago with my daughter, I mean, they pulled her chestnuts out of the fire, and she doesn't even have chestnuts because uh, it's a biological thing. Uh, LifeLock, and if your identity is compromised with LifeLock, uh, U.S.-based restoration specialists will work to fix it. I mean, this is seriously good stuff. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction at every business, but LifeLock can see threats that you will probably miss on your own. Join, get an extra 10% off your first year by using the promo code HANDLE. Call 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE, or visit lifelock.com, promo code HANDLE. This is HANDLE on the Law. And uh, welcome back, everybody. Handle here on a Saturday morning. Uh, there, is, there are reports of an active shooter uh, right now at a Walmart in El Paso. And uh, we don't have much coming up uh, with that. I know, Tessa, you're keeping track of that. Uh, right. the, the latest is that it's simply an active shooter. There's no uh, reports of uh, deaths or injuries or what's happening. Uh, right. So the El Paso Police Department has a Twitter, and they're just telling people specifically what area to avoid. They haven't, um, I guess, and you know, that's kind of not relevant to us. It's just the area. It's saying the scene is, yes, yeah, still very much active, and we know it's at a Walmart. All right. So we'll uh, keep you appraised or apprised of this. So just hang on to KFI. And Tessa is here and is following it uh, minute to minute. All right. Back we go. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. All right, Joe. Well, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello, Joe. Hi there. Uh, How are you this morning? Yeah, like you care. Okay. (laughs) Go ahead. All right. Okay. So, uh... I've got an issue with a major uh, automobile dealer in Orange County, California. I've taken my uh, exotic car uh, for service, and uh, while I was there for service, the service manager called me and said that we have really bad news. And and I said, what is it? And uh, he said that your car was stolen. Hmm. Oh, that's news. Real quickly, yeah. I have a question. When you talk about an exotic car, are you talking about sexually exotic, or are you talking about it's just uh, one of those sports car things? 
No, it, it's a it's a hundred and fifty thousand dollars sports car. Wow, what kind of car is that? Uh, R eight. Well, what the hell is Audi that? R. An Audi. Okay, hundred fifty thousand dollar Audi. Yeah, it's a it's a Lamborghini engine. It's, it's wow, uh, it's, wow. Yeah, and you, when you buy a hundred fifty thousand dollar car like that, you understand it's a penis thing, don't you? It's, <laughs> you know that well, it, 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 know, it has to do with uh, self esteem and the size of uh, your private parts. But no, le- anyway, let me move on. I, let me move I've on. Gotten, I've gotten more attention with my puppy than with that uh, car, anyway. So no, you ha- no, you haven't. That's why you bought the car. Let's not kid ourselves. All right, now, um, so the manager calls up. Your car is stolen uh, from the dealership, right? Yes. Okay. So what did they? Other than telling you that your car was stolen, did they do anything else? Uh, yeah, they lied through various of other occasions. They, he first said uh, uh, that uh, we reported it to the police. You just give us some time to sort this out, and we'll get back to you. Uh, and then I wasn't that worried because this, we're talking about a major, major dealership. This is not a, a okay. stop at corner of, of this. Yeah. So then he calls three days later and says we were not able to do the, the police report because you had to be there. The police department refused to do it because the owner, you, had to be there. That's a crock, by the way. So they never filed a police report? No. After he said he... I said, so the car is outstanding for five days, now four or five days, and nobody reported this car stolen. Okay, that really doesn't matter uh, in terms of uh, your, uh, your position. Well, first of all, of course, the car has to be reported stolen. So has it been reported stolen? So I had to go four days. I mean, okay. after he called me, I went the, the next other day. I reported the okay. car stolen. Okay, so now, okay, you got it. You reported it was stolen from uh, the dealership. All right, so now the car, and the reason you need to report it stolen, because the insurance company isn't going to do jack until it's reported stolen. All right, so right. Uh, have they made a claim with their insurance company? I, I'm, I'm not sure if they have. Okay, so uh, uh, but- here is what you get to do. Is, My insurance company called them, and they refused to give okay. their insurance information to All right. them. Then that gets easy. Uh, effectively, what you have is uh, an uninsured uh, motorist uh, policy or a claim on your hands. You call the insurance company, your insurance company, and say uh, that uh, these other folks will not cooperate. So I want to now invoke my uninsured uh, that's money that they're using to make money, the insurance company. So you get to be aggressive right now. Uh, maybe you hire a lawyer, although I don't think so at this point. I would go to your own insurance company and simply make a claim for uh, it. I, I, can I update you? Sure. On what happened just recently, the, the police department called me and they asked me, uh, 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 they told me actually they found my car off the highway, okay, the road, and that uh, he just has one question for me. I said, "What is it?" And the question was, "Do you smoke?" I I said, "I, I don't smoke." Okay, I've the po- wait smoked. a second. The police department asked you smoke. Oh, because the car had been torched. I'm assuming, right? 
I, I don't know. They didn't, they didn't want to say anything. I all said, right. why are you asking me? That is just part of the investigation. All right, said, fine. No, just, I don't all right, fine. Just say no. I, so big deal. Spoke. Big deal. Okay, now then what? They asked me to, then they asked me for, to come in for my fingerprints, which was, which was very insulting. All right, it is insulting. So yes. you, go, you go in for your fingerprints. They want to eliminate you as a possible suspect. That's all. They don't want to have – they want to make sure they're eliminating – uh, why maybe insurance fraud and they're making some kind of an investigation. But so what? You know what? What are you going to do? You're going to sue them? Are you going to say my my civil rights have been violated? You give them your damn fingerprints. What do you care? Of course it's insulting. Uh, now what? Uh, uh, I, 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 anyway, I just told them, why don't you go to the dealer where the crime took place and do your fingerprints, their investigation there and see why if this car was not on camera because he said two cars were stolen. One of them was ours, and we caught that on camera, but yours was not on camera. Okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, none of that matters. The police, whatever investigation the police want to do, they can do. They can drop the investigation. They can go after anybody. That's their call. You simply want to be in, in, reimbursed for the value of your car. That's it. That's all you care about. And so you do everything you can to cooperate. And if they want to do something stupid like we want your fingerprints, okay. Now what? What? They're going to find your fingerprints on your car? Boy, that certainly indicates some kind of a crime, doesn't it? You're going to be fine. Just just do it. And call your insurance. Call your insurance company. Call your insurance company and say, because the other side will not cooperate and it was stolen from the dealership, uh, you're fine. The only time there's going to be a problem if they lie and say you took the car from the dealership, which, of course, didn't happen because you'd have to be signing all kinds of uh, paperwork. All right, Alice, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Alice, you there? Yes, hi. Yes, what can I do for you? I have a question regarding regarding that Katy Perry um, hearing on Thursday. Um, Can Article 1 District Court... All right, I have no desire to talk about Katy Perry. I truly don't. All right, let's... uh, Wendy! Hi, Wendy! Hi. Our son is getting married this November... So I went online to make reservations through AARP. I uh, paid for a bundle package, uh, flight, and car. Ended up getting a better deal through a local travel agent. And I, um, so this was within 24 hours. Actually, it was about two hours after I made the, the my first reservations. So I canceled the initial reservations by phone and online using the itinerary number. Then I called both Expedia and AARP three different times. Each time their uh, answer was, we do not have a record of your cancellation. Therefore, there will not be a refund for your bundled package. All right, fair enough. Now, do you have a record of it? You sent an email, so therefore there should be a record of your email sent to them. I have a record of the transactions for payment. Oh, that's different. I, I, okay, hold on. Okay. I'm not asking you that. Clearly, there's a All transaction right. for the payment. 
do you have a copy, a record of the email you sent canceling? No. Okay, so now, the only thing that exists is you buying uh, the package, and then you buying another package two hours later. And they're saying, you never told us. That's what they're saying. You said, I did it by phone. Now, you can argue that they must have a recording, but then we're already getting into a legal situation. And you're probably going to have to sue. And uh, they probably do have a recording because they record everything. All these major companies record uh, for quality assurance. I love that. For quality and training purposes. No, the reason is when you sue their asses off, they have proof of what was said. That's the reality. So how much money are we talking about? $700. $700. All right. So here, yeah. So here is uh, the problem. Uh, the only proof you would have is that recording, and it could be that uh, just telling them is not enough pursuant to their policy, that you have to put it in writing. And if you look at uh, that the micro print, uh, all of the uh, agreement of usage, whenever you're dealing with Expedia or any of that, there's probably a page after page that you say, yeah, 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 I agree. Uh, you've agreed to it if it's on there. And my guess is it probably does say someone it has to be in writing and within a certain period of time, which, of course, uh, you're within that. But the only proof you have is that phone call. And if it's yeah. on if it's on the record that we don't that phone calls don't do it, you've got no place to go. Okay. All that's right. What I was. Yeah, I know. That's you. what you were afraid of, but you wanted to call me and uh, have me say you have absolutely no case. My pleasure. This is Handle on the Law. Because I want to go back to the days in the past when everything was easy. But I'm holding you close and I'm letting it go because, baby, you're the reason. I got, I got. And uh, good morning. Handle here. Another few minutes to the end of the hour, but we have uh, we do have uh, lines open. This is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Sylvia! Hello, Sylvia. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Bill. I have a situation. I went to, to my physician. My primary physician was on, the, on vacation. I was direct to another physician. I mentioned that I have uh, two things to be done. The new prescription, and I have a, I, I request chest X-ray because something going on in my lungs. The doctor who examined me, I was very specific to describe my symptoms. I told her that I have a shortness of breath. I have a cough with pink sputum. During the night, those wheezes waking me up. I asked her to listen to my lungs. She did. She she just told me. I don't hear nothing, and the the visit was over. She completely kind of, she didn't order the x-ray, she didn't renew the prescription. The next day I called the nurse, I mentioned to her what what happened with the doctor. She she ignored my request for chest x-ray, she didn't renew prescription, and then kind of, I just give up. After five months, you know, I am not crying baby. I am pretty healthy. I retired at 75. Wow. And it was time to renew again prescription. I went to my primary physician. 
And I asked him, doctor, previous doctor, ignore my request for chest x-ray. Could you please order? And I need to renew my blood pressure prescription. Oh, of course, I am going to do it. The next day, x-ray was done. After three days, doctor called me evening to my home and told me, you know what, it's looking not good. You have a big mass, 7. Whoa. Okay, so, uh, so you have lung cancer. Ooh, that's yeah. tough. All right. Yeah. So here is the question. And uh, what stage cancer uh, do you have? I was evaluated, but but the surgeon, she told me it's not possible to, to remove surgically. Okay, that's mass tough. All right. Because we already spread All right. to lymph nodes. Yeah, Sylvia, that's... But after uh, one bill, after three months, beautiful medication, the mass... So the mass is half of the mass. Well, that's good news. That's the good news. The doctor stole for me five months of my life almost. I am so upset. Sure. Did All right. So, uh, Sylvia, here's the issue. And you're going to definitely talk to a medical malpractice attorney because uh, th- something like this is way above my pay grade. But here is uh, the issue. And that is during that period of time in which you were misdiagnosed, during those several months, could anything have helped you? Would the mass have been smaller? Uh, would have uh, would the cancer have been slower? Uh, because I'm assuming if there's a mass, a good sized mass in your lung, it, that just didn't occur uh, in six months. It had to be there for a very long time. So the malpractice, uh, the way you describe it, happened during those few months. And what the kind of Five months. So I don't know what kind of damage can occur in those five months with regard to a a misdiagnosis. But, Sylvia, this is a big enough deal where you definitely want to talk to a medical malpractice attorney. Absolutely. I mean, you just don't, uh, you know, I have no problem giving you advice uh, when, uh, you know, there's a tree about to fall down on your head because of your neighbor. And I'm pretty comfortable doing that. But when someone has lung cancer... And uh, there could be malpractice. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, in situation, if patient has aneurysm, she 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 will kill the guy. Yeah, if if, if if the guy dies, uh, yeah. and if he has an aneurysm and the person is still alive, uh, then there's really no harm, no foul, because you don't even know you have an aneurysm until you have one, and you could have had one for a year, and nothing happened. You see the no harm, no foul, uh, and I'm, I'm trying. How do I connect that with you? Because if there would have made and if if would if would if it would have made no difference, Sylvia, for those five months. There's not much there in terms of malpractice. If there would have been a difference, you would have. In three months of my medication, I I have. A, I understand. No, I understand. I get it. But the the point I'm making, Sylvia, is that it would have gone down because of the medication. Thank goodness. But it wouldn't change anything, whether it happened five months before or not. So go yes. to go to handleonthelaw.com. We have plenty of malpractice attorneys out there, uh, just tons of them. And, uh, do, you know, do, you, do, you, do I have a case? Maybe. Just give up on this whole situation? Maybe. Maybe. That's why I'm telling you. That's why I'm telling you go to the website and uh, talk to a medical malpractice attorney. This is Handle on the Law.